Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Jamie, for the past few weeks, uh, you know, you've got me at, let's say, 60%, alright? I've woken up, maybe I've had a hangover, maybe we were talking about that weird time Tom Hanks was at inauguration and hosting the inauguration. Not very well, you know, he hosted it, okay, it's fine. But in honour of what might be Anne Hathaway's greatest movie <laughs> of all time, I've woken myself up a little bit early, I made myself a big old cup of joe. <sighs> And I'm ready, Jamie. You got Al at 100%. That's right. I am firing on all cylinders, motherfuckers. I am ready to take some shit. This is the Super Bowl of Anne Hathaway films, Jamie. <laughs> We've gotten through, oh, God, havoc. We cried. We wept at Brookback Mountain. That's the one I was looking for. Well, we could have yeah. cried at many. You know, I cried at Princess Diaries too. It's very moving. Of course. When- Mia and um, Hot Chris Evans got reunited. But, of course, every artist has their creative cynical, their, their uh, imperial stage. And for Anne Hathaway, that was the majesty, the masterpiece, the, 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 the piece of pure just joy that is uh, hoodwinked. Um, speaking of the Super Bowl, Jamie, <laughs> uh, I don't know who's playing. Uh, it is the, the Buccaneers. Ca- uh, the, yes, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by eighty-two-year-old uh, Tom Brady, and uh, the Kansas City he's Chiefs. No, he's like forty. He's pretty fucking old. Um, the name the Kansas City Chiefs is that one of those racist football names? Uh, almost certainly. Uh, but you know, they, well, less they, racist they, than other names. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, the, the, Washington the Washington, team. yeah, the Washington Football Team, famously changed from the Washington Redskins, uh, now named the Washington Football Team. And you know, personally, I find that name more offensive, but I do understand why others would disagree with me. Um, you also, sorry, and just to confirm, you also are uh, very offended by the names Liverpool Football Club, and yes. Arsenal Football Club. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of uh, I'm, I'm very offended by Arsenal Football Club at the moment. Uh, but that's not what we talk about here. We talk about hello and welcome to Blank Spank Season 2, The Hathaway Stash Away, uh, where the show... Oh, fuck. I, uh, off, off my rhythm. Uh, the show we were chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxon, and with me, as always, is apparently a slightly more jazzed, but without any actual content for the show, just <laughs> stating that he is jazzed, <laughs> Alexander Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Uh Jamie, I, I need to call... Uh, you out right okay now. I, I, know, I know we don't believe in call out culture apparently i know i know we don't um you know think it's okay to call out our friends but a second ago you said you are done with uh arsenal as a team that you are not happy with them yes. and yet i can see jamie because i have two eyes or one cup of joe that you have an arsene wenger <laughs> autobiography on the side of your bed so uh, yes, someone yes. here is a liar <laughs> Yeah, within within literal view is uh, an Arsene Wenger uh, biography. Uh, if I were to turn the camera around, you would see an Arsenal calendar on the wall behind you. Uh, and if I were to turn it slightly to the right, you would probably see at least three different Arsenal shirts in my uh, cupboard. So it's it's perhaps I am a masochist, Alexander, uh, and I like the pain that Arsenal do cause me. 
secondly, I would like to call you out for uh, so far having done at least three visual bits. Firstly, referencing <laughs> things that are in my camera zone. And then also you've regularly been performatively sipping your coffee, which no one can see. No, but Jamie, they can definitely hear when I pick it up and go... Oh, they can hear. Oh, they can definitely hear at that time. The other couple times, perhaps not. Also, one might suggest that the sounds you were making there suggest there's not any fucking coffee in that thing. There's definitely coffee in that thing. <laughs> Look, if I were to go with no coffee, it sound like <laughs> rather than a nice echoey sound. Guys, guys, I just want to fill you in that Alexander just did actually drink from a coffee cup for the first time. Uh, all of the other ones had been entirely <laughs> fake, and that was the real one that just there. I. I do have a great career as a Foley artist uh, in, in in the works. Jamie, do you think anyone's ever told Arsene Wenger that from a distance he looks a bit like Anthony Bourdain? Um, I don't think anyone has told him that. Um, I don't think it would be ideal for them to, to now bring it up. Uh, it, would be, it would be a little bit more of a bummer than, say, bringing it up like five years ago. So I think the window for mentioning that little anecdotal uh, piece of information I'm, to Arsene not- Wenger has perhaps passed. I'm not sure why it'd be a bummer, other than the, if he wanted to pursue a career as, an, say, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Um, tribute tax. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the idea of a chef tribute tax. Oh, you go into a kitchen and you just make food slightly worse. Here's what you do. You'd go into it, what you'd be. And actually, I think there is a room for this, is you look a bit like um, Anthony Bourdain. Or you look a bit like Gordon Ramsay, whoever. And you do their shtick. So for Anthony Bourdain, you'd go in, you'd eat the food, you'd write a little bit of prose, and then you'd go off and you'd uh, narrate it over the footage you have. Um, <laughs> and I, I would love that. That is a service I would definitely love. Is someone who looks like Anthony Bourdain coming to my kitchen, writing some stuff down, and then there's an Arsene Wenger's voice going, you know, ah, Al's sardines, tasty, salty, fresh. <laughs> I don't like that, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to call you out for another thing, Alexander. Uh, Alexander, this week uh, you did message me, uh, yesterday in fact, uh, at time of recording, uh, to say, hey, can you can you help me out? You just need to, to write a short thing for my PR application. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, whatever, yeah, I'll, I'll do that for you, Alexander. And then I have a little think. I have to. I have to. Say, I have to prove that you and you and Alyssa are in, uh, in, in a uh, serious relationship. Why am I? I need to do that. And PR. What? What could those stand for? Well, well, that sounds like a like a residency question. And what? What could the P stand for? Well, there's only one adjective. It could be Alexander. Permanent. Permanent is the word that comes before residency. And the audacity of you to ask me to help you apply for permanent residency of a country that is not the United Kingdom. This was not part of our deal, Alexander. I was told you were essentially going on a two-year holiday and you would come back. Now I'm willing to accept that perhaps the first year of that holiday has not exactly been as relaxing as one would hope. And that might have adjusted your plan slightly. (laughs) However, I am furious with you, Alexander. (laughs) So two, maybe three things. One, um, I, I did say I was going over on a working holiday visa, but I really appreciate that you thought that that was me going over on a holiday. Yeah. Because you know that I've been working a full-time job since May, like doing like 40 hours a week, which would make this the shittest holiday of all time. <laughs> Just like we got well, everyone in our friend group goes to Marbella, but separately goes off to offices while they're in Marbella. <laughs> would be very funny. Um, two, yes, yes, I'm applying for permanent residency. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've not been able to see any of Canada in the last, ooh, one year. Um, I probably won't be able to see any more until vaccines, uh, in which case, uh, you know, it'd be nice to nice to stick around and see some of, you know, Vancouver when oh, I can oh, move could, about. Oh, you, you could know? definitely do that, that in like great. six months. Just do, just do a power tour of Vancouver and get ooh, your dick back ooh. here. <laughs> Okay, so this, this, that again raises more questions. Uh, one, Canada's likely not... I'm not going to be able to get a vaccine in Canada until maybe at least September, probably. Uh, at the oh. rate it's going. Um, so I'm not I'm not optimistic for six months. Uh, and two, I like that the part of me you miss the most is my dick. Uh, yes, and, yeah, know, no, absolutely. I, I don't even want to unpack that. I, I think uh, it's fine no, no, I mean, uh, I mean, people, people won't know the... this, but of course, in, a, in our social time, which we would spend together, uh, when we recorded the podcast in person, you would be wang out the entire time. Unfortunately, yeah, fully clothed, now, yeah, but... fully clothed, just just the wang, just sort of seeping yeah. out of the of the jeans there. Of course, now well, that we are on Zoom, uh, you know, yeah. firstly, you don't want to get Jeffrey Tubend, you know, no one, no one wants that. But also, you know, the angle of the camera doesn't quite work for you to. I'm just assuming that you are still wang out. I'm just unable to see it. Well, due to the angle fact, of the camera as you maybe can see jamie i'm wearing a nightshirt right now so yes. in a way i am wearing yes no 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 we, uh, we, we have discussed your nightshirt before i, I do do find it odd it's uh the best thing to wear um but two you know i i thought back to all my favorite uh male comedians and i thought you know maybe the thing they all have in common is the secret to their funniness <laughs> and uh that's just you know the inability to keep your wang in um <laughs> so <laughs> it's a choice Oh, see, I, I was going to make a joke that like three people would get. I was going to say Vangarin, and that is a, that is a joke that, that. that no, <laughs> I don't think anyone in our audience is actually going to get. It is a reference to the aforementioned Arsene Wenger um, uh, and specific football culture from about three years ago now. So if you did get that joke, congratulations to you. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting you to be our target demographic for this podcast. I, I, I know... Uh, that I've asked this question before. Yes. But was Arsene Wenger hired for Arsenal because his name is Arsene? Uh, I'm I'm sure it was an influence in the decision, uh, but I don't think it was the exclusive, uh, you know, may, maybe it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Every, you know, his general good, <laughs> the fact that he'd been a very good manager for many years and, and had a great track record working in many different countries and also had a good connection to the French League, and which had was uh, prospering at the time, which allowed us to recruit many strong French players, which formed a basis for a lot of Arsene Wenger's uh, best years at Arsenal. But they were still a little bit hesitant. And then someone just sort of pointed out in the boardroom, guys, have you seen the first fucking six letters of this guy's name? It's fucking crazy. It's the same as ours. Fucking mental. And then and then they all uh, called him in. He was waiting outside the boardroom <laughs> like a child you know, outside the principal's office. You know how um, you can buy like T-shirts or not T-shirts, football jerseys with uh, football shirts with the player's name on the back? Can yes. you buy them with manager's names in the back you can get whatever you want on the back uh, but it costs i think 25 pounds per letter or something like that. it's not quite Jeez. that much but it's it's very expensive to to get names on the back um but you can you can put whatever you want i don't know if i mean, I mean if you go through official uh official um you know adidas the the mm -hmm. people who make the kits uh their official store merchandise I assume they will stop you from putting you know like swear words and shit on there but uh, other than that you don't. You don't think you can just like put Hitler on the back? 
Probably not. I mean, well, I mean, it would be, and it is very unfortunate for the two men with the surname Hitler who also still support <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, it has plagued them for many years. Um, but Jesus Christ, Alexander, that's probably the most off tangent we've got in this podcast, uh, except for maybe Jamie's video game corner that went on way too long, like two weeks ago. We need to talk about Anne Hathaway. Uh, for anyone who's listened to this podcast before, you know in season one, of course, it was Hanks Bank. We were recording to viewing Tom Hanks' entire MDB in order to prove our worth to the aliens to join the United States of Space. Jamie, if people have only started in the Anne Hathaway series and they want to go back and understand the Tom Hanks concept, which episodes do they go back and watch? Listen to. Oh, I don't. I don't know. You wait. Do you think I Band know? Of Brothers. Which... Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Listen to Band of Brothers. Great episode. Or if... <laughs> Go for that. Uh, that's the unsung hero episode. There's like I think most weirdly again, you know, apparently you're just listening to um, Streets of Philadelphia, <laughs> Streets of Philadelphia, which I guess is the other one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to that for context. Okay. Uh, and if you have been listening to the Anne Hathaway season, of course, you know that we did fail, and there was an apocalypse, uh, and I died and came back 15% more raccoon. But the long and short of it is now we are trying to galvanize <laughs> you were already five percent raccoon but you came back and the other 15 um and uh yeah now in the post-apocalypse world um wherein the only people alive are the ones that listen to this podcast and if you get to anyone else to listen to this podcast it will bring them back to life of course we are now trying to galvanize humanity using the films of one miss annie hathaway and this week we have uh, 2005's independent animated movie, Hoodwinked. Uh, and should we just get into it, Al? Um, so, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Beforehand, uh, I'm starting a new segment. Oh, uh, oh, oh shit, no, I'm forgetting. I've got my segment that I keep forgetting about. While you're doing that, okay. I'm going to research my segment. Okay. Uh, so my segment is called Brew Reviews, uh, which is to say uh, if I end up having any local beers... Uh, during watching an Anne Hathaway film, uh, I will review the beers uh, during this podcast. Uh, so during this film, I had uh, from Parallel Forty Nine, which is uh, a local Vancouver brewer. All these would be local Vancouver brewers. Their craft lager, it was three star. To be honest, I, if you're a craft brewery, I think it's kind of hard to screw up a lager. Um, lots of people screw up a lager. You know, tenants, I love you, mate. I love tea in the park. You screwed up a lager. But uh, this was fine. Three stars, inoffensive. Uh, and then also there's the Super Liminal Brett IPA, which is uh, by Electric Bicycle Brewing. Uh, and that is five star. That is a like 9% IPA. It doesn't, but unlike most IPAs, uh, it doesn't taste that strong. So you kind of drink it and think, whoa, I'm fine. And I was not fine watching this movie, Jamie. I was absolutely <laughs> trashed. And that's Brew Reviews, the Thank segment you. in which Good. I review Vancouver's beers. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, fortunately for the uh, other segment, which I keep on forgetting, Top of the Bops, wherein I tell you uh, what was the number one single at the time of release uh, of this film. Uh, it's the exact same one as last week, so go and fucking listen to, to Brokeback Mountain if you want to hear that song. I don't even think I even put it in the show. I think you just sung it. Uh, it's that my, That's My Goal by uh, Shane Ward. Shane I'm Ward not here to say I'm sorry. I'm not giving up. Oh, no. I'm here to give my heart and soul. That's my goal. Great song. Oh, you make my life so much easier so I don't have to do any editing work. Uh, so, yes, that was the number one when this film came out. Um, 
at uh, the beginning of 2006. It was originally released in the States at uh, the end of 2005. Yeah, the end of 2005, at the beginning of 2006. Um... We'll give you a quick summary of the plot, a very quick pl- summary of the plot uh, overview uh, before I uh, go into the behind the scenes on this film, of which there is so much to say, it's bonkers. Guys, um, Jamie, Jamie legitimately asked to do the context yes, of this I film. Yes, I asked to do which this. Which I because... happily gave him. I happily gave <laughs> because him I, was recent, I was just looking up this film and there's just so much shit, it's fucking hilarious. The, te- the text I got was, Ow, you can't just read Wikipedia for this one. It's so in-depth. Not that you do do that. Or if you do that, it's okay. Just this one is a special case. And I went, yeah, yeah fine. If you want to do it, you can do it. No problem. Um, so, yes. Uh, this film, uh, called Hoodwinked, uh, is a retelling of the story of... Um, I was about to say Robin Hood. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, wherein we see four different perspectives of uh, the the famous incident in... Um, uh, Little Red Riding Hood with Little Red Riding Hood coming in on the wolf and the granny and the woodsman uh, and we see it from each of their perspective learning how uh, through a series of mishaps and uh, miscommunications they all ended up uh, in the same place uh, as I said it is an animated film it is in fact one of the uh, first independent animated films um, uh, that was animated movies what I think you mean 3D animated. 3D animated. <laughs> uh, yes, it is a 3D animated film. Um, just to give you... An, firstly, Google it. Just Google oh. it and have a look at any of the shots. But to give oh. you an idea, this thing kind of looks entirely like a PlayStation 2 cutscene. Maybe even yes. not that good. Maybe PlayStation 1 cutscene. It's, it's, it's very to, bad. It's very bad. I was talking to Alyssa about this, and actually I, I knew 100% that you would mention the words PlayStation 2. Because yeah. and it, like it's better than a PlayStation Two scene, like it, you know, if it running in engine, this is better than that. Yeah. It is worse than the cutscenes yes, for those absolutely. things. Absolutely, it's Shrek it's, Two the video game probably had better cutscenes than this has. Yes, almost animation. certainly. Um, so yeah, to get to give you an idea, like the first two Shreks have already come out at this point. Um, around Shrek this, Two's come out by this point. Uh, I believe so. Let me Ooh. have a look when Shrek Two came out. Because here's the thing: 2. I think if you go yeah, back, yeah, Shrek Two's 2004, Shrek... my guy. Shrek Two came out two years before this. That's my thing. I was watching this, and th- like, if you go back and watch Shrek One, it as with a lot of early um, 3D animated movies. So I, I think Toy Story's in there with this. Like to some extent, I think the visuals don't hugely hold up. Like Toy Story One is a film in which I kind of. You know, this would be a massive undertaking, but I sort of wish they would go back and spruce up a little bit. Yeah. Because you look at it today and everything looks like weirdly shiny and all that kind of stuff, and this historical thing to it looks weird. This is six, seven years after Toy Story 1. This is a, what, uh, two years after Toy Shrek 2, which looks miles yeah. better uh, than this. Pixar at the it's... time was making uh, The Incredibles the year before and which Cars is... this year. Now, having said that, Cars was made with a budget of $120 million. This movie was made with less than $8 million. So that that gives you an idea of, of just why it Jeez. looks so bad. And I'll get into why it costs less than $8 million, because it's weird. Um, so it's directed uh, and written by Corey Edwards. Uh, directed by Corey Edwards and written by him and his brother, Todd Edwards. Um, it is starring uh, Anne Hathaway, obviously, as we know, as Little Red Riding Hood. Glenn Close. The, the cast for this is insane. Uh, Glenn Close as the granny. Jim Belushi as the woodsman. 
Uh, we have Exhibit as a fucking uh, <laughs> one of the police bears. Uh, we have Andy Dick playing Boingo the Bunny. Uh, we have Patrick Warburton playing the wolf, uh, who people will know as Joe from uh, Family Guy or Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, depending on uh, <laughs> on where your re- reference points lies. Uh, as I say, it was made uh, with less uh, than $8 million. It is only 80 minutes long. Uh, it made $110 million. It made back 13 times its budget. It was an incredibly successful film uh, for what it is. Um, as I say, it was completely uh, independently funded, though it was distributed by the Weinstein Company. Uh, and I can Jamie, only... Yes? I need to... Sorry, I realise I'm extending this podcast out. Uh, but no, that's absolutely fine. It, I have so it, much to I, say I, about I this. need to create a new rule okay. um, for this podcast and for everyone who listens to it. There are a lot of films I love that are distributed by the Weinstein Company. Miramax is going to be counted under this too. Yes. This is uh, only Miramax. just... This is literally just sure. after the Weinstein Company got formed. This was the third film yeah. they ever made. And we're going to say that if it's a Miramax film, but a Miramax film when they were still under it, this rule still applies. Yeah. This includes Paddington and Paddington 2, the films I love. When the Weinstein Company logo comes up, I need you to boo. Oh, absolutely. Okay? You can like the film. I just, I, I literally need you to <laughs> just, audibly just boo, boo, even if you are by yourself. Just do it. Just as a Pavlovian response, you see the Weinstein logo, you boo. Okay, do it in cinemas too. When cinemas reopen, sorry, I know that's not going to happen for a while. When they reopen, if you see the Weinstein, I don't know why you would. You went to see a screening of an old film, Bannington, of course. Um, boo when you see the Weinstein logo. Uh, carry on. Uh, so, as I say, this was completely independently funded. They only came in to distribute it once they saw it um, at a, uh, at, I believe, Cannes Film Festival or, or at a film festival. <laughs> I, 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 it was definitely at a big... It's, it's in contention for the Palme d'Or. <laughs> the Weinsteins were like, holy shit, guys. Uh, it was at Sundance. Sorry, not Cannes. But still, yeah, it was a fucking Sundance. Um, well, sure, anyway. but Sundance is not Cannes. Like... Uh, so yes, uh, eight, less than eight. I cannot stress it enough. Less than eight million dollars. And the reason that this was made for less than eight million dollars is it was animated entirely in the Philippines. And I yeah, beg you, right. Alexander, I cannot figure out why. Other than so, they say that they basically just rented out a house in the Philippines and then flew out there. But what I can't figure out is whether they hired local animators from the Philippines, which would be uh, and therefore. Uh, exploiting them for cheaper labor um or if they flew all of their animators out from like la to the philippines for like three years this film took ages to make but also they do say they do specifically say uh that uh, the film's animators had little experience with computer animation and feature like films and had to be trained on the job by the producers over the course of the film's production so you're starting to get an idea of why the fuck this film looks so goddamn janky so, also, I do have to say that I'm fairly <coughs> sure this Wikipedia was written by one of the producers. It's so long. there is It has no right being as detailed as it is. And I will get... I'm, I'm st- and yet I'm still going to relay all the fucking shit to you. So, the, according to the producers, this film was inspired by films such as Pulp Fiction, Run, Lola, Run and Memento. 
Um, obviously referring to the non-linear style, uh, way in which those stories are told, but fuck me, why are you comparing this to those films? Uh, it was originally intended as a straight-to-DVD feature. Um, the entire thing was made with basically an entirely different cast, just made up of the producers and director's friends, and then the Weinstein Company just came in and straight up just re- ripped them all out. The entire film had been made, it was ready to go, it was screened at Sundance, and the, the Weinstein company just came in and were like now nah, fuck that and recast the whole thing and that's why we get uh, Anne Hathaway in this um a quote uh, from Corey Edwards, uh, who is the uh, director, says, At a certain point, it became recast-o-rama. Everyone got recast-happy. My feeling is you get two or three names on that poster, you're fine. Our Hoodwink poster has like a paragraph of names on it. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. I think the person who made this hates this film. Uh, to quote director Corey Edwards two years later, he says, We know, we know it's bad, but this is the best we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, they were also basically unable to redraft stuff. They said that this was basically the first draft that you're getting because it was too expensive. They couldn't afford, like, if they made a shot, they were like, well, we fucking made it. So I guess (laughs) we can't do it again. That's what it has to look like. Um, so yeah, they, they fucking hired out this house in in the philippines and and just and he'd said that like it was a five thousand square foot rented house and it cost less than his rent in la um again i cannot establish whether they hired local people or not I, but I've either way the animators did. didn't know anything um yeah i mean I, I know definitely in general like um not necessarily on something like a pixar film but definitely in terms of tv a lot of animation is done in places like south korea or um i think maybe China but like definitely too with like uh, traditional hand-drawn stuff that that's where it's done now because it's too expensive to do it in the yeah. west um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went over to Thailand and hired a bunch of like local art- like local artists who don't know how to 3D animate yeah. um, to do this <laughs> yeah uh, so so that's the, the bonkers of how this uh, this thing got made it was made entirely in the Philippines for less than eight million dollars with the producers flying back and forth between LA and making a shot and then going, I guess that's what it gotta fucking look like. Um they also like had to uh what you what do you call it? Not export. When you take something out of house and have someone else do it. Uh oh, um I've forgotten the fucking word. You know what I mean. They had to hire yeah, yeah. an external company to do things like lighting, uh, because they just didn't have fucking time. Um it came out uh, to mixed reviews. There were many people who uh, rightly, uh, strongly criticized the uh, the animation as being, uh, it's, it's not just bad, it's not just aged poorly, it was bad for its time. But yeah. many people were slightly more positive about it, uh, praising the humor and the writing. Uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly called the filmmakers heroes and compared them to quentin tarantino and steven Soderbergh <laughs> because of the the the, the crazy Indeed. way in which they uh, they made it and went against the the uh hollywood elites um there is a section on the wikipedia page for again this is a fucking 2005 3d animated little red riding hood movie and it has a fucking section called analysis because an author called timothy sexton wrote an article <laughs> entitled Sexton. And and I, I I pause to emphasize that this article was titled Hoodwinked. 
a postmodern examination of the dangers of runaway capitalism, in which he called Hoodwinked, quote, the most subversive movie released nationwide since Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, the director uh, responded saying, oh, it's kind of cool that he thinks that. Um, you know, we were mostly inspired by the fucking Looney Tunes, but <laughs> cool. I'm glad, I'm, glad you got, I'm glad you got a kick out of it, Timothy Sexton. Um, there was then a sequel to this movie, but don't worry, Alexander, we don't have to watch it because Anne Hathaway was recast. Um, uh, she was recast uh, with Hayden Panettiere. Uh, with the directors just basically freely admitting that Anne Hathaway was just too famous uh, and she'd done the first one basically as a favour. Um, and Martin Short replaced Jim Belushi, who plays the woodsman. Now, the woodsman in this movie has uh, a Swedish accent. And Corey Edwards, uh, the director, explained that Belushi's departure was because, quote, he was never really comfortable with the accent for the woodsman. He wanted to help us out and he really loved the film, but he just kept on saying, I'm not an accent guy. And that's why he didn't return for the sequel. Um, Corey Edwards, the director, also did not return to direct the sequel, uh, saying firstly that there had been apparently, quote, a tense working relationship between him and some of the key players on the first film. I could not find any elaboration on that. But also, he didn't hugely like the genre he was parodying, calling it, quote, a trend I groaned about even as I finished the film. So, Corey Edwards, the writer and director of this film, has both said, it's bad, we know it's bad, I'm sorry, and also said that the actual genre they have chosen was a trend I groaned about even as I finished the film. Uh, he also worried about uh, being stuck in animation. Sorry, this is the last thing, I promise. Okay, last um, uh, Corey Edwards uh, <laughs> said he didn't want to come back and direct the sequel because he was worried about getting uh, stuck and uh, in animation uh, for his direction, and, you know, he wanted to branch out. Uh, and so he didn't direct another thing for seven years uh, until he directed Krogzilla Gets a Job. And that is me done. <laughs> I, I am convinced that the fucking producers... Re- they, like, there's no reason for the Wikipedia page to be this fucking long. It is not that I, monumentous of a film. I potentially think this is a movie that needs an oral history done of it. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. I, I, I have done my best to do it in five minutes. Uh, I, I want a documentary made about how this film was made. I want to, I want to know about this five thousand square foot fucking producer, that animator hub that they created in the Philippines. I want to know who they actually hired. Um, I want to hear why Anne Hathaway did it. Ah, oh, it's yeah. So this film is bonkers. Uh, and and that's just the making of the film. Now we get to talk about the actual fucking film itself, which is equally uh, a very, very strange film. Uh, so, Alexander, it is your favourite part. Uh, oh, no, wait, no, wait, wait, I'm lying, I'm lying, Alexander. We, of course, have to do Six Degrees of Tom Hanks. Uh, after we describe the film, uh, we must do Six Degrees of Tom Hanks. For anyone who doesn't know, this is based off the uh, game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where we have to connect this film to our season one star, Tom Hanks, by virtue of people who are in this film and things they've been in with other people uh alexander do you have yours i have one which doesn't really count uh patrick okay. walkerton stars in uh a series of unfortunate events the tv show mm-hmm. um meryl streep starred in the, the movie version of that that's that, and yeah, meryl no. streep was in the post <laughs> yeah no that's very much not not um, i know i'm trying to think of another way around so it. i do um, have one i think there's a shorter way of doing this uh, uh which i'll explain but I, I i i knew i wanted to use andy dick uh famous dickhead andy dick um and uh he was in the first season of love 
with uh, the Netflix uh, series uh, with Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs was in Community. Now, I'm certain at some point in Community, there must have been someone who's been in something with Tom Hanks, but I couldn't think of it. <laughs> like, I'm just certain there has to have been. Well, Jack, well, Jack Black is... I'm Jack Black Jack is Black. in it, but Jack Black's not been in something with Tom Hanks. Anyway, you can think about that, but I did have a more circuitous route, which was uh, Gillian Jacobs is in Community with Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi is in DuckTales with David Tennant, who is in Doctor Who with Karen Gillan, and Karen Gillan is in The Circle with Tom Hanks. Ooh, so the way I... the way I his, So Community, Jim Rash writes... Um, the Departed. Jim Rash, the Academy Award winner um, mm-hmm. for Best Screenplay for The Departed, which stars George Clooney. I'm trying to think if there's anything which George Clooney stars in which has a connection to Tom Hanks. See, but then you're just doing the same number of steps as me. I'm convinced that there's got to be someone in Community. At, it, write us in. If you can think of someone who's appeared in an episode of Community uh, that has also appeared in a uh, Tom Hanks feature-length film and or... Oh! Uh, oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Paul Shear's got to have been in... Paul Shear's got to have been in Community. Surely Paul Shear was in Community at some point. Yeah, Paul Shear was it was the... Um... Wasn't Paul Shear his, like, dickhead lawyer partner? No, no, no that's the other bald guy. Um, I don't think Paul Shear was in Community. Fuck. Feels like the sort of thing he'd be in. Um, God damn it. Right, uh, I'll continue to think. Uh, but uh, with that, Alexander, it is, of course, your turn. This film begins as all good films should, with a terrifying Cronenbergian weird plastic doll-faced red, little Red Riding Hood. That's right, guys. You stare at it and you see the end of times. You stare at it and you know exactly how you will die. This thing is fucking terrifying. And little Red Riding Hood is just going through the woods on a little bike until she gets to Granny's house. That's right. And what's inside of Granny's house? It's the big bad wolf. Except the big bad wolf is in granny's clothes and is wearing a creepy granny mask which is made of plastic. So it's weird because it's like double layers of plastic. And the fur of the wolf is better than anything else in this movie. The fur <laughs> of the wolf looks like, okay, they tried for that. Uh, whereas skin looks horrifying. Skin looks creepy. horrifying. Fucking all trees are just like one texture. Like the entire branch is just like one flat texture. Um, we should. I mean, I don't have eight million dollars to make a movie, but um... no, that's true. <laughs> but if I had eight million dollars, I don't think I'd make an animated movie. <laughs> like, I think that's the main difference. Um, you know, he, the wolf wants what Little Red Riding has got. Got he wants her cookies, and that's not in some kind of creepy sexual way. She's got a little basket full of goodies, and the wolf wants it. She doesn't want to give it to him. Oh no! Um, so they start karate chopping each other. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood, you know, famously, what big eyes you have, but what big teeth you have. She knows that he's not. Her, uh, she, she knows that he's not her granny. Um, she almost karate chops him. At this point, stuff gets a little bit weird. Uh, we then cut forward several hours the police are at the house uh we open up inside uh, inside Alexander, the house sorry i hate to yeah. uh, stop you while you're on a roll uh but david cross does appear in community as uh he's in the the second D episode um yeah he, he's he's him. the dude from breaking bad son yes yes he is uh he's the dude from breaking bad son in the second D episode and david cross is also in the post there you go i knew i could do it quicker Back to describing this stupid fucking plot. Uh-huh. Um, 
so inside the house is now a crime scene, all right? This is where we're getting into the uh, Pulp Fiction-y, Rashomon-style uh, storytelling. Uh, we see Little Red Running Hoof handcuffed. We see Granny handcuffed. There's a big giant axeman. We haven't seen him before now. He's handcuffed. The wolf is also handcuffed. It's, uh, it's you know, a crime has been committed, and the police want to know who did what. Yeah. It seems weird to arrest um, the two victims in this case. Yes, yes, absolutely. Specifically the the granny and the uh, little red yes, riding gra- hood granny don't seem was, to have gra- any crimes. Granny like burst out of the cupboard and she was all tied up. Um, uh, has she done that yet? Yes, I think we do see the. I think I think you. Granny. Have, uh, yeah, we've seen. We I think we have actually seen the granny and the woodsman. We see the. I don't think we see the woodsman. I think I think it's just they go karate chop. I think it's just at it's the beginning. Anyway, that. doesn't make a difference. <laughs> um, at this point, that a giant frog shows up, and the frogs, you know, he's he's uh, Daniel Craig in Knives Out. He's like, he's I am detective, detective Flippers. Yeah. To which someone says, "Why are you called Flippers?" And they show a Saturday Night Fever segment, and it doesn't answer the question. Like, nope. it, it, it does nope. not answer the question of why it's called Flippers. Um. um so yeah, uh, we then they're basically they're going to question each of these uh, four people. Uh, to figure out their part of the story. Uh, so we start with Red, uh, our lovely Anne Hathaway. Uh, and she explains... And we get a song. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Song. One of the three songs that are in this movie, which is really uh, weird. There's a lot of songs in the background, which are definitely written for the movie, but they're confusing. Um, yeah, there's, there's so, like, three, yeah. like, musical-style, diegetic numbers. Um, yeah. We get a, so- a little song introducing the fucking movie. Um, and then we learn uh, about what Red was doing, how she ended up there. She 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 wants to be free. Her granny won't let her go out to the big bad world. Um, she does hates being her granny's delivery girl. It's kind of sad. Around the town, and this is important. Uh, someone has been stealing everyone's recipes. Yes, all right, the goodie bandit. Exactly. Um, and apparently these people don't remember how to make their foods without the recipes. No. So the, the whole town's going out of business, except for Granny's house. Now, of course, Lady Red Riding Hood a little bit worried about this. So she goes and she steals her own grandmother's recipe book to protect her grandma's recipe book. Fantastic. It's like a caper movie, you might think. No, it's not. Idiots. <laughs> um, she meets an evil... Uh, sorry, she meets a cute bunny. Uh, yeah, she meets, um, she meets Boingo, played by Andy Dick. And because it's played by Andy Dick, of course, you would never assume that that character might be a twat. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, uh, Boingo the Bunny, who is uh, running a cable car. She is trying to take the cable car up to the mountain, um, and uh, Boingo is uh, just there to help her. Uh, but she accidentally falls out of the cable car. Oh, no, and she falls down some very poorly animated trees, um, whereupon she is encountered upon by the wolf, who's growling at her and, and screaming and, and asking her questions. Um, but she evades the questions uh, and uh, escapes from the wolf and eventually meets my favourite character, the goat. I think his name's like Japheth or something like that. Um, and uh, the goat has an affliction. Uh, the affliction is that he has to sing all the time. Uh, anything he is saying, he must sing. Uh, he is a, a billy goat. He has a little song about all of the different, uh, about being prepared being prepared and all of the different horns he has to be prepared it's good fun i enjoyed it uh the it's man the man who is doing the billy goat uh is 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 clearly having a fun old time um and and that that transfers itself through the horrifying uh image you're seeing on screen um and so they uh he decides to help her because he knows the mountain uh to get to granny's house uh 
they go through a uh, kind of mine, mine shaft, a yeah. mine cart. At some point, the uh, the wolf is, I think, still pursuing them. Yes, um, and we we later find out when when the wolf, uh, or maybe maybe she knows at that point. Either way, uh, no the wolf is pursuing, and uh, the yeah. uh, the track falls out from under them, or it, 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 there's a gap in the track, so they're flying through the air. She looks up, and her granny appears to her in the clouds and says. Use the hood, Red. Use the hood. And so she uses her hood and she lands safely. Um, and so she then goes to the uh, to Granny's house. Uh, and that is where she finds the wolf. Uh, so the, the detectives are like, wow, fucking open and shut case. What am I talking about? It's, it's a fucking wolf. Uh, but... Again, I don't know what crime Red Riding Hood was meant to have committed. Nope. You normally don't handcuff people who are suspected victims. Nope. Um, uh, but so then they ask the wolf, and it turns out the wolf, in a uh, fun subversion of expectations, the basis of comedy, uh, the wolf is actually an investig- investigative journalist. Uh, and he is uh, trying to find out what's going on with the goodie bandit as He's well. He's looking for the goodie bandit. Yeah. And right. he, he wants sees, to know who's stealing yeah. everyone's snacks. And he notices, like you said, well, everyone everyone else is struggling. And uh, old granny up there, she is getting on fine. No one's stealing her recipes. I know, what's that? That little girl's going up to her ass. I think something might be a foot Sorry, that little girl's going up to her ass. <laughs> Um, uh, my accent has uh, has, has foiled me. Uh, yes, yeah, so he he decides to trail uh, Little Red Riding Hood to see what's going on with uh, the granny, um, because he believes that they may be the goody bandits. Uh, he also has uh, a little squirrel called Twitchy, uh, who speaks really quickly. Um, and these these lines were recorded normally and then just pitched up and sped up uh, in uh, in uh, regular software. Um, apparently, uh, the entire thing was sped up fifty percent. Uh, but in the sequel, uh, occasionally the uh, they did this more manually and sped it up at different amounts. Uh, and the uh, <laughs> the voice actor for uh, Twitchy was very upset. Felt like I'd lost lost a lot of the charm and heart of the character in the sequel. <laughs> um, uh, so um, we this is where we start to get a few of the jokes which are based around oh what you saw previously isn't actually the same thing. So when mm. Red lands uh, and the wolf uh, is seeing her and it's like he's growling at her, we now see from the wolf's perspective he was actually just a bit hungry and it was his stomach growling. It wasn't actually him. He's just a kind boy trying to find out what's going on and solve the mystery. Uh, and there's a few of these um, uh, throughout. Uh, they end up going ahead of Red and um, uh, getting to Granny's house first by the help of... Ooh, who's that? Boingo the bunny. He knows a secret way Being to cute get to and the helpful, house Jamie. Why are you so suspicious? He's a cute, cute little bunny. Bunny couldn't do anything wrong. Um, so they get there, uh, and when they get there, um, I can't remember how. Why does it? Why does he dress up as the granny? The granny is already oh, he, there. He, he, he finds he the granny the basket, already there. So all the way through, he's been wanting to get the basket. He feels yeah. that if he dresses as the granny, then he's more likely to get her to just hand it over. Yeah, which is weird. Um, so he, he does it he's, he kind of decides that maybe he doesn't sound enough like the granny but it doesn't matter the uh, red comes in he's trying to get it off red um, the granny falls out of the cupboard she's been all tied up uh, and uh, the woodsman the woodsman comes in and is just screaming he goes rah, 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 rah. 
but Swedish. We then uh, meet the woodsman, uh, and the woodsman is. Uh, He's hilariously dopey. He just talks like this and he doesn't really yeah. know what's going on. Um, uh, and his name is Kirk. Uh, and it turns out, oh, what's this? He's not actually a woodsman. What is this? Another subversion of expectations? Oh, no, Alexander. Uh, he's it's a comedy of errors, guys. Yes. Everyone's favorite kind of comedy. Uh, he's an actor. Uh, and uh, he explains that he was auditioning for uh, like a cream a bunion something? cream. A bunion cream. Uh, wherein he needed to play a woodsman. Uh, he, we get him doing his audition, uh, and there's a there's a slimy lizard director who's ah, you're not really doing very good there, kid. Um, uh, but he ends up getting a callback, and the director says, whoa, 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 Jamie, Jamie, you're skipping over something very important, which is the schnitzel truck. So <laughs> the, um, the schnitzel truck. Oh so my god, the fuck. It, it is, uh, yeah. In his meantime, when he's not acting or pretending to be a woodsman. Um, because actually initially he doesn't get the callback initially they're like he can't do the line he's not convincing enough Uh, he goes back off and he works in his day job which is running this uh, schnitzel on a stick truck for kids Uh, and he runs Um, along and all the kids are really happy because want this schnitzel on a stick they really want this schnitzel this is this Um, is the the only time where the bad animation really goes in its favor because these kids look fucking creepy as shit like you thought polar express was like uncomfortable levels of child animation fuck no the kids in the schnitzel truck have the most dead eyes i've ever seen and it works really well the song is fun um yeah it's a great uh, song but then unfortunately the the schnitzel truck uh the wheels get stolen off it someone's yes, by, by, by the goodie bandit uh and he's consoled by a kind loving bunny boingo the bunny there again to help out his pals um and then uh he does end up getting a call for the callback um the director goes okay kid so what you gotta do you gotta live like a woodsman i want you to get out there be the woodsman i don't want you coming in here you go spend the next six hours you you envelop the woodsman inside you uh and old kirk he goes okay i'll go do that uh and then we get a fun montage of him just fucking chopping down trees he's just got his axe and he's going chop 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 and he's chopping down trees with one fell swoop but then he sees the biggest tree and he thinks i will conquer the big tree and i will have proved myself as a woodsman uh and so he he cuts through it just keeps on trying to cut through trying to cut through trying to cut through uh and he spends all night uh and eventually he's almost all the way through uh and then he looks down the hill and he sees oh there's granny's house that's a bit weird um and just as he sees that the tree starts to creak uh, and so he starts to run. He's he's hairing himself. He's running down. He's running in front of the log. Oh, what's that? He jumps up. He's running on top of the log. Now, you might ask, he could just jump behind the tree and everything would be fine. He, there's no reason for him to remain on top of this log. But anyway, he's Kirk. He's not smart. Um, so he remains on this tree. The tree gets lodged between two other trees and so it launches him through the window of the granny's house he's scared all of them are scared because he's a big man he's got an axe uh and uh there we have uh how he ended up there uh and so the investigators go ah so Hmm. wasn't wasn't the wolf wasn't red riding hood 
wasn't the woodsman. We believe everything every in this criminal investigation where we think each of these people could be a criminal. We are believing every single word you say. Jamie, I think this is why it's important for schools to teach critical thinking. Okay? <laughs> because clearly these guys are just like, wow, none of these contradict each other and they're all telling the truth. Yeah. But not even that, they also go, well, we all now know who the uh, goodie bandit is. It it's granny. To, it has to be granny because we've whittled this down. It could. Oh, there's no. She hasn't there's spoken no, yet, Alexander. So it has to be Alexander. There is no way. We've had you know subversion of expectations with all the other three where things haven't been as they seemed. There's no way it's gonna happen again. No, it's gotta be granny. There's no chance. But what's that? Granny. She's got a little nickname. It's Triple G, a reference, I believe, to the Triple X movies that were relatively popular yep. at the time. And there's, yeah, a, there's, a, there's a lot of film references in this that we're, we're not uh, talking about. There's, there, this is a very uh, sort of media referential movie. Uh, but yeah, so she's got a tattoo on the back that says GGG. Um, and it turns out that she is, in fact, an extreme sports enthusiast. She loves her sight, uh, BMXing, uh, her her snowboarding, her skiing. She's anything that's going to get her skateboarding, anything that's going to get Granny's heart rate pumping. That's what she's all about. So that's actually why when Red, we learn when Red Riding Hood calls in and says, uh, hey, Granny, can I come see you? And she's like, no, don't come see me. It's actually because she's off. About to go on one of her extreme sports excursions. She was competing in a ski race with, uh, you know, the, the the bad kids from the university across town. Oh, yeah. Um, and so she's uh, there's a there's a little a sort of action sequence where her and her crew are fighting off another crew in a ski race. Apparently, this is like some back alley ski race with no rules. No one's even watching where they're all beating the shit out of each other. Um and Jamie, that's how like the cool people ski. All right, skiing yeah. by itself boring. Skiing with violence cool. All right, that's the same thing with all sports. All right, football boring. Football with knives fun. <laughs> um, so she finishes the race, uh, and she. Uh, oh, I think so, at some point in this race, she gets flown up into the air, um, and uh, she's flying over red. And so we see how she. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a a spectral <laughs> figure coming from the clouds. It was just actual Granny telling her to use her hood earlier. Ha ha ha! ha subversion of expectations. Um, I'm being mean. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, she uh, lands back in her house, but gets tangled up in the ropes from her yes, parachute. Yes, from her parachute, and, and she. That's how. Oh, why also, she's tied up the, the, the ski team. Yeah, they were The ski team was trying to assassinate. Assassinate her. her very hired by the goodie bandit. Um, once again, they they uh, immediately take everything at uh, face value, and then a very strange character moment happens where Little Red Riding Hood, for some reason, is extremely angry well, with her well, granny for not so telling. So it's like let's unpack this, Jamie. Okay? okay, two things: one, the granny meant to be a sweet old cookie baking granny. All right, yeah. she has this business; it's hugely successful. But we all know what we're meant to expect from her. All right. Turns out the granny feels that she needs to maintain this. I'm not quite sure why. And as part of that, has told no one that she's triple G, which sounds like a weird joke about her boobs, but isn't. Um, uh, so I think it's because, like, I think it's because Red Riding Hood wanted to um, 
go out in the world and do dangerous things, but her granny wants to protect her. I'm not sure if, like, something happened to the Red Riding Hood's, like, parents. Maybe they died tragically and that made the granny overprotective, but not overprotective of herself. I, I think you're confusing. giving a lot of credit to this movie. This is a very yeah. weird... Is it, where we she's just, the, I mean, the, the, any normal kid would just be like, whoa, that's cool, granny! <laughs> and then fucking move on. But because plot, uh, she's angry. So she uh, wanders off alone. Uh, I'm trying to think. So, also, confusingly, the... Um, she, oh, no, no, Jamie, you're missing out the the best, second best musical sequence after the Schnitzel Stick song, which is Red is Blue, which is the song <laughs> that goes in the background. Yeah. And just keeps going, Red <laughs> is Blue. Because um, everyone calls Little Red Riding Hood red in this movie because she wears a red hood. Yeah. And then at some point she takes off the hood and then they go, what's she called now? just just girl um yeah. little she's just little she's still little, little. um uh but yeah so she wanders blue. off uh by herself red is blue um but at this point um flippers uh he figures out he goes now i can't help but notice old boingo here has appeared in every one of your stories always happening to be exactly where you guys are and in fact he does kind of sound like a dick because it's just i really fucking hate andy dick uh anyway um uh so yeah he figures out it's boingo uh we've we learned that oh actually he pushed little red riding hood out of the cable car uh, and he is the goody bandit uh so um boingo snuck in uh, and he stole granny's uh recipes so he's got all the recipes he needs now um and Little Red Riding Hood spots him doing this and follows him to his hideout at the top of the cable car station. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the police... Uh, the police go in the wrong direction for some reason. I can't remember why. The police think he's down in town. They think, wait, he's going to be at the top of the mountain. I can't quite remember why. They think he's going to be at the top of the mountain, but sure. They also... Oh, no, I think Granny, like, gets her binoculars out or something like that. <laughs> and just that. fucking sees it. Whatever. Sure. Um, Red Riding Hood gets kidnapped. They go... The the woodsman and the wolf go up in costume to try and, like, you know, subvert expectations and uh, win the day. They fail. The, bun- the bunny plans... The bunny knows that has plan. His yeah. plan is basically to... Uh, use everyone else's recipes to make delicious treats but to basically add some addictive chemical to it uh, so like uh, no, 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 do you not remember what that chemical is called it is of course called boingonium alexander and then he's going to uh bulldoze the forest tear it down uh so he can start his own boingo corporate empire basically uh that's his plan he explained he then also uh he has a song um just singing along um uh which also does finish with the uh, the line you've been hoodwinked um at which point uh, i believe one of the the, the other the lot, granny and them lot have reached the 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 lair and one of them i can't remember what he says but he says like um oh there was a weird dance routine which means that Boingo is in-universe doing this. Like, I know in musicals, like, Les Mis or whatever, like, people just start singing, and it's understood that, like, oh, that's just their way of expressing, like, that's the medium it's being told. But that not in-universe, like, well, she's just singing singing to herself. Like, whereas I, in I this... I think it... De- Carry on. It, 
here's the thing, right? With musicals, you know, conceptually, they sometimes get confusing. You're, you're right. You have, in some cases, you have diegetic musicals like yeah. The School of Rock, in which case they are yeah. in-universe singing songs. Yeah. Um, then you have non-diegetic stuff where they're singing their feelings like Les Mis, but you also have ones where, like, and they're clearly not... They, they're clearly like that is the expression of that is a metaphorical expression of their feelings and their things yeah I think there's a third level of things which is more of a stage musical in which in universe they are singing but that's just how they express their but, feelings yes but this universe. is also so not Wicked, a musical <laughs> but it kind of is again you had Red it has like three blue. fucking songs anyway schnitzel on a stick um, schnitzel, so, schnitzel get my uh, schnitzel on a stick so, uh, how does this fucking plot resolve? They they sneak so into Bongo's So basically, lair. what happens is the 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 the, the cart full of dynamite and little red because he's going to murder little red goes down the um, uh, what should we call it? Cable the car. Cable car. Um, Granny's like triple G is like fuck this shit. Grabs uh, a, a cupcake tray, puts it on the w- w- wire, yes. and then just like rides that thing down. Little red kind of escapes from the cable car. She and Granny. Um, kind of drop it into the lake where it explodes in the lake uh the police the the little bunny rabbit uh no sorry the the wee chipmunk uh, is I giving coffee squ- to go stop squirrel? the police and the police come and stop the bongo yeah uh, yeah basically he goes he tells them uh they finally figure out how to listen to what he's saying by recording what he's saying going back and playing it at like 0.25 speed joke. um and he yeah it's a good joke um and uh he, i can't believe they ruined twitchy in the sequel devastating I mean, <laughs> honestly and like i know i got to talk about that later but uh, so, um, yeah they they've they've somehow redirected the the cable car cables to go directly into the back of a police car um and then andy dick says the famous line no not prison no not prison i don't know what it is about that line it just makes no sense like why is he saying that um like like uh anyway um so uh yeah then we basically get the end um red granny the wolf and uh and the squirrel all get hired by flippers to join a t- crime solving uh organization called the happily ever after agency oh, i believe uh kirk God. like starts a yodeling troupe or something um and then we get the end of the movie and you get a credit song which is explaining the plot of the movie it's my, what, what, i, lo- I love, love when songs do that fucking why why do, i've it's watched great. i've watched the movie <laughs> i don't need a song it's, explaining it's, what just happened jamie it's for the parents who fell asleep during the film and then woke up at the end but need to quickly explain it in case their kids are going to talk to them about it yeah um, so that let's is talk the about movie. this movie before we talk about this movie we forgot about it last week it is of course anagrams the segment where we take the uh title of this film and try to make an anagram of that title using as many letters as possible that explain the uh plot of the film uh i have three no two i have two they're not very good do you have I've any got three you have three okay well then we'll go one back back and forth you can sure. start um well of course you you know you think of little red running hood the name's hoodwinks uh you of course think of the word hoodie just just hoodie just the word hoodie yeah hoodie <laughs> okay uh i've got wood die because that is boingo's plan to make the wood that, that's die pretty good um, you know, in this movie, there's a lot of kung fu. There's a lot of action. Uh, makes you think of kind of uh, you know famous uh, like kung fu directors like John Woo. Um, actually, uh, to be fair, I'm not sure John Woo does direct action. But uh, so you might, but films like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So you might, uh, for instance, think of uh, the phrase Hidden Woo. 
you might think of that yep um uh and my my second one my last one uh is just how kid do how how kid do how oh. kid do how do how, how kid do yeah, yeah how kid do um so of course uh you know this film surprisingly progressive all right you know it's it, oh, it, 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 it's, it's apparently bringing down a look a postmodern examination of the dangers of a runaway capitalism of course exactly exactly and you know the music is uh very you know early 2000s um you know it kind of reminds you of some really empowering female artists in a way so you might describe this film as woke dido <laughs> rubbish absolutely rubbish um so uh yeah let's talk about this movie uh obviously as people know um we uh rate this on uh three numerical categories then we have a list which i don't actually think we're gonna get to uh and then we have yeah uh, i, I the think this is maybe the first time a film doesn't fit yes. into this so uh we have the film rating out of five we have anne hathaway's performance out of five we have the america's sweetheartometer uh, how much of America's Sweetheart is uh, Anne Hathaway in this film? We then have the Anne's Man's list, where we are ranking Anne Hathaway's um, love interests. Now, you know what? Would I love to put Detective Flippers in my list somewhere? Absolutely. However, I think we must, as a podcast, accept that Anne Hathaway does not always have to have love interests yeah. in her movies. It is perfectly reasonable and acceptable, and I'm sure it will come up again. So I think we have to accept that Anne Hathaway no, does not have a love interest yeah. in this movie. And, and I want to make it clear, if Anne Hathaway had uh, any degree of romantic or sensual tension with anyone, I would put them in this film, in the list. Uh, but actually, Hoodwinked is the first movie in which she has none. Yeah, um, literally which, every know, other Anne Hathaway film has at least some more romantic tension yeah. throughout the movie. Um, and then, of course, we decide if we are going to stash away this film. Um, I don't know about you. I enjoyed this way more than I expected to. Yeah. It's like once you the the I think it has it, it's a, it's a very good combination of both so bad it's good, but also genuinely good. So the animation is horrible. It is just terrible there's no other way around it it is really bad but that's sometimes so bad it's good if you're in the right mood you can make fun of the animation yeah. and then there's a decent amount of good jokes in this it's a relatively funny movie it's well written i think barring a few people most of the performances aren't very good uh which i think is quite clear from the fact that it seems the Weinsteins just called in a bunch of fucking favors uh, and got a bunch of famous people to do it. So unsurprisingly, they kind of phoned it in. Um, but the script itself is pretty funny. It's not Shrek levels of funny. It's trying to go for a different... Man, that is damning with fame phrase. It is not <laughs> Shrek levels of funny. It's like a very low bar. Um, oh, oh, how fine. dare no, 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 no. I, I mean, like, Shrek is like... Shrek 2, I think it's funnier than Shrek 1. But like Shrek is like a is a you know solid middle bar funny thing. <laughs> um, but there there were there were lots of times in this where I had genuine laughs. Uh, I, I mean, uh, my girlfriend pointed out that she's fairly sure the entire concept to this film came up when they just wanted to do one single gag, which was when the wolf is an investigation journalist, he goes undercover uh, in a herd of sheep, so he is literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, and and then they were just like, what if we just did that joke and then made it a movie? Um, but there are plenty of very good jokes like that. The the first hour or so is better, 
the last 20 minutes kind yeah. of are poor the re- the general like tension resolution but when we're doing those four fast-paced stories and you're seeing the little oh so that was actually that it wasn't that it kind of works and i guess because i went into it with such low expectations especially after 10 seconds of watching it uh, i was i was very pleasantly surprised yeah, no, I agree. I mean, look, I, uh, Jamie, of course, you're a little bit older than me. I actually saw this film in cinemas um, as a kid. Uh, and there are bits of us, you know, I still remember to this day from the first time watching it. Like, the, there's a sequence where the wolf and his wee chipmunk buddy are in the minecart. And the, the chipmunk's, like, I think I, I found a candle and the wolf's, like, light it. And then he kind of it, it lights it and it's, it, he says, oh, what does that say? And it's like, dinamite. Um, and that you know he's a stick of dynamite it's hilarious and that's like the, the pronunciation of dinamite so it's stuck in my mind for years um you know and it, 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 it the actual thing is i can see why this made a hundred million dollars in that i genuinely can't like i well, i enjoyed well, it I, I really don't understand why this made so much money in that like i think it is 100 percent for kids enjoyable like if you're yeah. a child, I don't think you really give a crap about the quality of the animation. Uh, so I, like, I think I think a child, I think a child in two thousand and five probably wouldn't yeah, notice yeah. much of a difference. I think a child now would no, no, yeah, yeah. Has, is probably exposed to enough better well, animation. I don't know. I, I, yes, but also something like um, you get these kind of like three D animated shows for like the Disney Channel, um, which are quite ugly because again they're making them, you know. Not all of them, but, like, a fair few of them, they're, they're making them fairly quickly. They need to make a bunch of episodes or that kind of thing. So, like, I do think there is still some not very pretty animation. It's, it's still better than this, but <laughs> some a lot of, like, not very pretty 3D animation on yeah. TV. So, I think... I'm not sure how much they would care, but, like, I, it's... It is very much, like, made for kids. And, and even, like... Even though it's, like, Shrek has a bunch of jokes only adults sort of get... Um, like Triple G is not funny unless you know what the Triple X movies are, but yeah. if you're a six-year-old who knows what the Triple X movies are, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's funny enough. Um, you're right; it does fit into. It is really so bad; it's good because what's bad about it is the animation and kind of the voice acting. What's good about it is the script. Yeah. And like together, that makes it enjoyable enough that it enters the so bad it's good category. Like it's not all terrible, and therefore it's not boring to watch. It's bizarre, and it's and so many choices are just bizarre. Yeah, like it, like, is, it, it looks bizarre. It sounds it, bizarre. It's the, the sort sh- of thing that, that like bizarre. your mate would, uh, your mate's been doing a four year de- like animating degree, in, like being been specialized, and like this is his final project piece. And you'd be like, oh man, that you made this all by yourself? That's oh fuck, that's crazy. That's really good. And then he'd be like, I spent eight million dollars on it. And you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, but yeah, they. And then yeah. he made a hundred million dollars, and you're like, "Wow, can I, can I get a job with you?" Um, so yeah, I. So I, I was looking at this, uh, and I was, I was actually considering going higher than what I'm going to give it. But given, uh, obviously, I rank at uh, point ones because uh, I allow myself that freedom, and it has come in useful here because did I like this more than Nicholas Nickleby? Yes, absolutely. Did I like it more than Princess Diaries too? Probably not. Well, I gave Nicholas Nickleby a 3.2. I gave Princess Diaries a 3.4. Therefore, this is a 3.3. It has helped me. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Again, this is two. Um, I, I, I think I don't actually think it's a good thing, and I think you need to be in a very specific mood to watch this. I would and, agree with that. Like, have an enjoyable experience. Uh, Anne Hathaway's performance. Uh, 
I, I think it's not helped by the animation being very soulless and therefore making it difficult for a voice actor uh, to do well. But she is not good in this. Like, she, she is one of the people I was referencing as very much phoning it in. I don't think she's actively bad, but she's really nothing. Uh, it, it, like, it, I can't tell whether it's a, a performance thing or an animation thing. But no, it's a performance thing. Because, like... Other people are performing well, like that, like Jim yeah. Belushi. Even though he says he's not an accent guy, I think I think he's great. Well, he's he's giving a, a bit time. more loudy, and yeah. like even Glenn Patrick, Close is like yeah. Glenn Close is fine. Know, Patrick Warburton as as the wolf is quite good. I, uh, I think he's, he's mainly a, he's a very experienced like, voice actor. So the Red Riding Hood role is less has less for it. Yeah, like it, it, this less funny bitch she gets to do all that kind of stuff. She's kind of the straight man in the thing, um, so she doesn't get to do much interesting. But I would give it a two. Like, I think it's not that great. Like, yeah. it's not a good, particularly good voice performance. I, I prefer her voice performance in The Cat Returns, although that... Like, I, I think she's just not a voice actor. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't think it... Do, does she do any other animated films after this? I feel like she does, but I can't remember. Uh, but uh, I'm going to have a quick look at that. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to a 1.5. I'm going to slightly lower. Uh, yeah, I just... I It really stinks of a... I'm doing a favour for a producer. I, I, I think it's just, and I think Patrick Warburton's a good counterpoint to this. Like, I think it stresses that, like, voice acting is its own skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which, uh, and a reminder of why I think the Toy Story films are so good, and I think in part this direction. Um, but it is, you know, Tom Hanks in Toy Story gives a brilliant voice performance. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I think that's I, I think you know we talked about this like phoning it in. Like, I think some of that is because I think everyone's doing it for her favor, and so the director. It feels like she's very much under-directed. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm almost, in. I'm almost certain that none of them were paid the amount they would normally be paid for a for a film because this film was made for less than eight million dollars. Well, um, she does. What appear- I reckon. Well, yeah. Uh, we, we well, here's the question: have- Was this film made for eight million dollars, and then after it was purchased by the Weinstein's, they put more money into it, which is what I I think uh, probably happened. Potentially, I feel like that would turn up in the budget. Um, Not necessarily because it, it. No, I feel normally we talk about budget like before sale. So like it was made on this, but then after this, yeah, maybe I don't know. It depends like who. Anyway. But regardless, weird. Um, yeah. But but if you think about it, like for voice acting, especially you're doing. I'm sure they did about six hours recording, if less. Yeah. Um. Uh. We will hear more. Uh. Anne Hathaway voice acting. Of course, we ha- have some Simpsons episodes uh, coming up at some point, uh, as well as Family Guy. Uh, she does guest spots on both of those, but she also appears in the movies Rio and Rio 2. I forgot that. So we can see whether uh, in the six years between this and Rio, uh, she has developed her voice acting. Um, but yeah, uh, I, yeah I, don't, I don't think this was good. Um, America's Sweetheart. The America Sweetheartometer. It's an interesting one. I think. I think she's. She's. She's somewhere around there. She's. She's in the in the mix for a sweetheart type. She's playing. You know, the 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 leading young innocent girl, and she's also badass because she can do karate. Um, I don't know. Where are you leaning on this? Um, Jamie, it's very clear for me. Uh, normally, I'd give her a three because, like you said, she fits into the kind of categories which would typically uh, define a sweetheart role. But uh, you know what? That uh, that piece of uh, academic analysis has swung me, and America doesn't like non-capitalists, <laughs> and therefore she's a zero. She is not a sweetheart <laughs> at all. Uh, she's a communist, and you know, 
She gets what she deserves. Uh, I think I think I have to go high. I think I'm going to give her a three. Um, as uh, for, for what I said, it, it, I mean, it's essentially a princess role. It, it's functionally a princess role, um, yeah. uh, albeit uh, obviously playing a, a little kid instead. Um, and then uh, the stash away, Alexander. Are you stashing away this film? <laughs> I want to, I want to like I I, I want to sash it away but I can't because I just don't think it would galvanize humanity like I, I I think enough people would be turned off by this and think maybe we deserve to die um <laughs> uh you know it's it's so good it's bad it's enjoyable is it amazes the monsters no like it's not that bad in terms of uh, the thing it is but it's you know it's 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 it, no no unfortunately I'm not going to splash that I, I, I would like to but it can't quite. You are forgetting that it is also eighty minutes long, and that that is Ooh. a delight. That is a this that's a dream that you only have to spend eighty minutes staring at these characters. Uh, but no, I I think I agree. Uh, I I I also really want to, but I I don't mm. think I can. It's it's not that good. Um, this is the closest I have to. I, if if you think of a film like um, a hologram for the king, which I was, which is not good, but I was like passionate about. Yeah. Um. That's what I wish I could feel about this film. I wish I could tell people it's a hidden gem. I wish I could be like, you need to go watch this. It's so crazy. But uh, but while it's like not a complete waste of your time because it is funny and how bad it is, it is not. Re- there's not anything really redeeming enough for me to be like, this is a film you should watch. It's hilarious. Uh, so with that, when we don't stash away a film, we of course must decide what we are going to present in its stead. What are we going to present to humanity to galvanize themselves to fight back against the aliens? Alexandra, we'll let you start because I have not come up with anything. Um, you know, we, we didn't do Jamie's video game corner this week, which is uh, sad. So I'm going to throw in uh, Al's recommendation alongside my bruise reviews. Uh, and Al's recommendation for this week is the uh, the game Control, um, which I have been uh, playing, and it's super cool. You know what? Do I want a game where I can, like, fly? Yes. Do I want a game where I can just, like, pick up pieces of the environment and throw it at people as a weapon? Yes. All right? It's great. You, you, you play as Jessie Faden. She has telekinetic powers. What's not to love, Jamie? Guys, go out there. This is going to save humanity. You know why? Because when we can all control shit with our minds, we can find back against the aliens all right this 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 is going to embolden us this is going to give us all telepathic powers and uh and telekinetic powers and therefore we'll, we'll save us all so jamie what's going in the uh halfway stash away this week for you now alexander if we're going to go into the jamie jones video game corner of course we do need to give the appropriate Sorry. vocal performance for yeah, guys. jamie's video mm-hmm. game corner jamie's video game corner is in yeah. the corner and therefore must be quiet uh, i will yeah. be joining you in jamie's video game corner with my own recommendation uh, and that would be a game that I know you've been playing as well. That would be Hitman 3. You say, or well, maybe you've not been playing 3, but you've been playing some of the early ones. Either way, you say that you want a game where you can telekinetically uh, control things and fling them at people. Well, what if instead of telekinetically controlling things and flinging them at What if you just fling things at people? What if you just took a wrench and just threw it at some dude's head and knocked him out and then dressed as him so no one would know and put his body in a box? And then just keep on doing that. And then if you get caught, just th- keep throwing wrenches at people until you can escape. Or or perhaps you might want to drown someone in a toilet. 
uh, or perhaps you might want to lay a banana skin on a balcony and make them slip on it and fall off the edge. Well, Hitman 3 and the Hitman 1 and 2 will give you that freedom. And that is Jamie's video and game corner for this week. Recommendation, Hitman 1, 2 and 3. Thank you. That's one more game in the corner. Uh, and welcome back to Blank Bank. Uh, so that is us. We have decided what is going to uh, galvanize humanity this week. And it's both video games. So if you don't own something that costs £500 to purchase, guess it sucks for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, right now, if you want to play both of those video games, you can pick yourself up a nice cheap Xbox One S, uh, which I think will probably now go for less than... Two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, you can pick those mean, games up. Do you mean an Xbox One S or do you mean an Xbox? Yes, one. Series I mean you, because both games are both games are both released games on are the last generation. On, uh, so if you want to play it on the last generation console, to be fair, the Series S is also less than three hundred pounds. So you know you could go for that too if you want a nice midway. You don't want the full power of the uh, what, the Series X or the PS Five, but you want something which is going to get you a little bit further. Go for the uh, Series S. It's a nice halfway thing. It's super tiny. Uh, and looks and a little cute. It looks like a little speaker. And hey, if you can't afford that, uh, of course, uh, you can take the financial tip that I <laughs> read this week. I was watching uh, watching some Instagram reels, uh, and it was uh, entitled "How I Turned Five Thousand Dollars into a Hundred Thousand Dollars." And Alexander, it's really simple. Step one: I bought a house in 1995. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, I was so furious at that. Anyway, uh, so that is our review of 2005's Hoodwinked. Uh, you can join us next week when we will be review going back to The Hanks Bank and reviewing the brand new Tom Hanks movie, uh, News of the World. I say brand new. It's just out in the UK on Netflix uh, this week. So please do watch it before next week if you want to join us. Uh, it's quite fun that we're getting to review something new, although it has been out in the United States for about three months now. Uh, but I have not been able to watch it. And of course, I would never break the law in order to watch a movie. I would never torrent uh, the entirety of Hoodwinked because I refuse to pay £3.50 for it. Um, so join us next week uh, back in the Hanks Bank. And in the meantime, Alexander, what can they do? Guys, you can go out there and you can spread the gospel. All right, your loved ones, you know, have tragically died from alien invasion. Of course, uh, and we can bring them back, uh, but solely only if they're being killed by alien invasion uh, by making you put the these earpods in their ears and downloading the podcast, and that will that will revivify them. That's revivify. Revivify them. Uh, you know, you can join such luminaries as Tom Hanks, uh, uh, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, and many other famous people who are still alive and producing art and therefore must listen to the podcast. Uh, go out there and spread the word. Uh, spread the word. Know, we've, it, we've got we've got our hundredth episode coming up in two weeks' time. You know, get get that gives you two weeks to listen to the last ninety nine and get all caught up in the law because I guarantee it's going to get fucking weird on the hundredth episode. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, please do uh, continue to spread the word. Follow us at J- Jamie B Lockson at Al underscore C underscore stuff at Blanks Bank Pod uh, and just tell anyone if they thinks. You know, if if you want, I, I've run, I've run out of steam, Alexander. Spread I, the power, spread the word. All right, guys, go out there. You can do it. Don't worry. All right. I had coffee at the beginning of this episode, and then I was full of beans. But you know what happens when you go high? You go low when you crash. That's right. When you go high, we go low, <laughs> uh, and we want you to spread the word from high and low. Uh, and with that, that's one more. No, fuck you. That's my no. You no. You get your bit. You don't get to use up my bits. I only have like two left. From me, Jamie, and my co-host Al. That's one more. Ep- in the bank nothing this week 
Schnitzel, Schnitzel, I put it on a stick. Schnitzel, Schnitzel, I put it on a stick. Blank Spank 